Gamble on, fellas. Gamble on. <laughs> Welcome again to Gamble On, the weekly gambling podcast presented by usbets.com. I'm Eric Raskin, US Bets Managing Editor and Media Director, and I'm joined by our senior analyst, Pulitzer Prize finalist, John Brennan. And perhaps some of you listeners read John's Monday morning article on njonlinegambling.com, but for anyone who missed it, John decided to see how the <laughs> other half lives, uh, breaking out of his $10 per wager shell to sign up for a new sports book and try a $1,000 quote unquote risk-free bet. Uh, that first bet did not go as planned. John took the Patriots to cover against the Dolphins. So now he gets his second chance bet with the $1,000 back in his account. John, how are you feeling? And any idea what you'll be targeting on this second try? Yeah, well, I learned a few things for sure. I mean, the first is that I thought that the first bet would be fine, right? Hey, it's risk-free. But as soon as I made the wager on Saturday, it felt really, really uneasy. You know, mm-hmm. I likened it in that story to how sometimes you're on a roller coaster and it's near the top of the first hill. Some poor bastard is yelling, stop the ride, stop the ride. <laughs> and of course, the pibble-faced kid running the ride laughs and everybody gets their big ups and downs. And even the poor bastard uh, who didn't want to be on it, uh, like it or not, this is the ride that he and or she and I have chosen. And that was it. Uh, the second is that I had the winning play on the tip of my tongue on last week's podcast. As I picked the Patriots plus three and a half, I suggest that it might be the dullest game of the week that I expected precious few highlights to make it onto the red zone channel. Mm. Well, this 20 to seven game had his second fewest points in week one. Mm. So what's my play? under you dummy <laughs> ouch uh third i was right to watch this game alone i would have been winding up a storm if i had an audience of even one human there were three <laughs> key plays in this game there's a pat's throw into the end zone that got tipped sideways by dolphin defender right into the arms of a teammate for a 30 yard return how convenient a fumble by the dolphins is recovered by a teammate again how convenient uh to allow for a successful field goal and a dreaded scoop and score for one of the dolphins two touchdowns that feature what they used to call a hollywood hop right into their arms. Now give me two of the three bounces at a zero and I'm up $909. And look, I'm whining now. So yeah, (laughs) at least I was alone then. And sorry for our subscribers, but uh, I am considering betting a thousand dollars with another site on the opposite side to walk away about $90 poorer, but otherwise unscathed. It might depend if I can find a bet that I just can't resist, but I won't enjoy the sweat though at all. If I do. Right. Okay. So, but, uh, but you don't know yet which game you're targeting. It's a little, a little too if far. Any, out to... yeah, okay. No. <laughs> okay. So on a serious note, the most important thing that you pointed out in your article was that you were risking an, an amount of money that losing it, your life is not impacted in any significant way. If you drop a thousand bucks, you're not happy about it, obviously, but that's money you can afford to lose without having to tighten the belt on other spending. So, you know, as you said in the piece, $10,000, different story. So that's really important here. And, you know, for bettors out there with small bankrolls, you know, you don't have to bet the max to take advantage of sign up offers. You can yes. go ahead and, and deposit and sign up and 
just bet $50 uh, knowing that it's quote unquote risk-free if that's what's comfortable for you. Um, but uh, whatever you end up deciding for your, uh, for your second bet this, uh, this week, assuming it's this weekend, uh, I will ask you to uh, let me know privately what bet you end up making. I just want to be able to kind of sweat it along with you this time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you mentioned it uh, in terms of what the way you're thinking of maybe hedging on this second one. I guess the correct way to do these is even on the first one, you bet your thousand dollars on the Pats at Caesars and then you bet $909 on Miami at a different sports book. And if the Pats cover you break even, and if Miami covers, which they did, you're down $91, but you have a thousand dollar second chance bet waiting for you. But then again, that kind of goes against the spirit of the experience. Uh, even if that is the prudent way to play these big sign up bonus bets. Well, yeah, the thing I learned especially too, is that, I use logic, right? I can lose $1,000. And as you said, some people can't lose $100 or they're going to be, you know, struggling to pay the rent or whatever. Right. Uh, and other people can can lose 10000 and not even think about it. So my sweet spot in terms of like, what's a big number I can lose and not be financially impacted really? And it's just 1000 okay? So I thought that's the logical thing. There's nothing logical about gambling unless you're a professional <laughs> gambler, obviously, which we'll have later on the show, uh, spoiler yeah. alert. But um, so it's just, it was just a miserable experience for me, even though I could have won a certain amount of money. So I learned something from that. I'm, you know, I hope it's good for the audience to know because, you know, at least, uh, you know, it's too late to save me, but save yourself or something like that. All right. So, so far, more agony than ecstasy, but oh, uh, yeah. a second chance at ecstasy. Uh, yeah. And then we'll see. Or, or doubling down on agony. We'll find Yeah, I, I just, yeah, it's not for me, clearly. Okay. All right. Good to know. All right. Well, thank you to everyone for joining us for episode number 209 of Gamble On. If you missed any of our previous 208 episodes, they're all available on Spreaker, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other podcast apps. And if it turns out you don't enjoy this week's podcast, no problem. We'll give you another podcast next week completely risk-free <laughs> yeah and as i just hinted at coming up a little later in the show we joined by professional sports better bill krakenberger better known to many as crack with a k uh if it matters um <laughs> we'll ask bill for his insights on how he digests what he's seen in nfl week one and how he adjusts and adapts for week two and beyond you know what he thinks of the fade the public philosophy and more but first it's been an expectedly crazy busy september week in the world of gambling so let's get to it Here's your Gamble On News of the Week, an inside look at the biggest stories in the world of gambling. Last week, we previewed the NFL season with some projected betting numbers. This week, thanks to GeoComply, we have some interesting week one actual numbers to digest. The geolocation company reported that the number of location checks, basically people trying to log in to mobile sports books, leapt from 60.1 million in the first week of NFL games in 2021 to 103.1 million this year, a 71.5% increase. An increase along those lines was expected, of course, with new states offering mobile betting that didn't a year ago, including Arkansas, Connecticut, Kansas, Louisiana, and most importantly, New York. Uh, new York led the way with 15.3% of the total national location checks, 
followed closely by Pennsylvania with 14.8% and New Jersey with 13.1%, while among the newcomers, Kansas came in 10th with 3.5%. New Jersey did increase over 2021, although by a smaller percentage than all the other leading states, suggesting that, yes, New York has taken some of its business away. Uh, John, your thoughts on these figures from GeoComply, and particularly on the dominance of my state, your state, and New York. Yeah, I mean, I always had the feeling that Northeast had the most gamblers outside of Las Vegas, and 43.1% for only three states, that kind of confirms it. Uh, wow, I, I just, I thought it was true, but I figured I'd never really know. And this is a pretty good uh, amount of evidence that suggests, yeah, wow, Northeast, love to gamble. Hmm. Uh, I want to say it's the cold winters, but it's cold as hell in Minnesota and Wisconsin. And <laughs> it seems like Minnesotans haven't even heard, uh, nor Wisconsinites, uh, haven't even heard that PASP is dead yet, four and a half years later. So that's not it. Uh, it makes me eager to see how California, Florida, and Texas will fare in terms of market share if and when they ever legalize. Can they hold up their end in per capita terms? I'll say no on California, not enough sports passion. And Texas, gambling, Grammy warned me against that. I don't think so. Uh, but Florida will kill it, even if only for the transplanted Northeasterners who live there now. Right. There are a lot of those. Um, <laughs> so I'm surprised Pennsylvania came so close to New York on this, given mm. the difference in population between the two states, yeah. except maybe New York is still far from a mature market in terms of the majority of its citizens being aware that this is legal and it's come to their state. Whereas Pennsylvania, it's been three plus years, the market is pretty mature. Or maybe people are just totally Eagles crazy this year. And of course, people love their Steelers too on the other side of the state. Whereas Jets and Giants fans, maybe they're less inclined to put money behind their teams. Uh, and the bills are great, but that's a smaller market. I don't know, just some theorizing, but it, it was surprising to me how close Pennsylvania came to New York. Um, but speaking more about Pennsylvania, even though there were more location checks in Pennsylvania than in New Jersey, I doubt that that means that Pennsylvania is suddenly going to leap past New Jersey and handle, given the difference we've seen in those two states. As we know, a lot of pros and syndicates and whales and so forth mm -hmm. like to do their betting with the Jersey books. Yeah. So the September handle there should probably still be hundreds of millions of dollars ahead of Pennsylvania. Um, and the last thing I want to just touch on is, is that Kansas number. That's promising, um, although it may be inflated by the this is our first weekend of betting excitement. Um, and oh, by the way, they have a really good football team in Kansas City uh, to lead them to bet more per capita than, say, Illinois with the Bears. Yeah, I mean, but. Missouri people clearly are betting in Kansas now. Right. And don't forget that Ohio doesn't yet have sports betting. So I think Pennsylvania, this big jump, that's a great uh, Ohio is a really good sports betting state uh, or sports following state right up there with Pennsylvania, New York, New Jersey, the, the Northeast. I mean, it's right. a good state for that. So I think you're going to see uh, you mentioned New Jersey didn't really increase as much as uh, some of the other ones. I think Pennsylvania next year at this point, when Ohio has it already, they're going to see that same kind of drop. Yeah, great point. Uh, all right. Our second story is also tangentially related to the start of NFL season. Our colleague Jeff Edelstein wrote for Sports Handle on Wednesday morning about the extreme decreases in mobile sportsbook signup offers. We spoke recently on the pod about how the offers were much smaller in Kansas than in New York, but it turns out it's not just a size of the state thing. It's an everywhere thing. Jeff pointed out that SI Sportsbook has gone from a $7,500 risk-free bet to just 
bet $20, get $100 in free bets. Caesars has gone from a $10,000 risk-free bet to $1,250. Foxbet has gone from $500 down to 50 bucks and on and on. Uh, One-time Gamble On guest Alan Bowden of Eilers and Krejcik Gaming told Jeff, the U.S. is basically the European sports betting sector on fast forward. I'm not surprised to see it, but I am surprised to see it so soon. Uh, Some chalk up the hurried reduction in bonus offers to these sports books being publicly traded companies that need to start showing profitability sooner rather than later, while others say the advances in user data are allowing sports books to tailor smaller offers to individual customers rather than having to throw huge numbers at everyone. John, are you as surprised as Alan by how quickly the freebies have started drying up? And what do you think of the various theories on why it's happening faster here than it did in Europe? Well, Alan definitely knows his stuff, as we both know. And I think he's on the money again. You know, Europe was the Petri dish for gambling. And these same companies now have already learned what works and what doesn't. And they have brought that over from Europe into the U.S. So I'm not that surprised that they have uh, been more, much more efficient than they were back there. Uh, meanwhile, I just wish I was living in a state with crappy bonus offers. You know, my first hedge actually that we talked about earlier was when I could have made a $1,250 risk-free bet with Caesars, but I was only willing to go to $1,000. So at the moment, I'm feeling like I saved $250. Bucks. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Um, An important thing to note uh, is that this isn't the end of big bonuses. Uh, It just might be the end or near end of big bonuses in these states that already have mobile sports betting. I mean, you were mentioning in our first news item, some of the gigantic states that have yet to legalize. There will be enormous bonus offers coming to California, Florida and Texas if and when they legalize mobile betting. Some big ones will be coming soon to Ohio, among other states. But Look, everybody warned us when sports betting came to your state and my state, take advantage of the bonus offers and the big boost while you can, because they won't last forever. Now, they are burning out maybe faster than some expected. They're certainly burning out faster in New York, in large part because of the tax rate. Mm -hmm. But whatever state you're in, you can't expect more than a couple of years before the books aren't giving you much in the way of free money. Um, There was also an interesting angle in Jeff's article that a company like Fanatics, which has major funding and is not known primarily as a sports betting company, Mm -hmm. may just go nuts on customer acquisition when they launch. So that'll be interesting to watch play out, whether some new players like that reinvigorate the bonus scene. Yeah, I think there's probably a a niche there for like a sort of analyst um, expert to be able to tell a better you know, what is a really good offer? What isn't, you know, risk-free is that ridiculous term that uh, (laughs) even some people in the industry are realizing is not a good idea. I knew that betting a thousand bucks risk-free only meant that if I lose, I get a thousand bucks back. I have to bet a thousand on another game. And if I lose that one also, one four chance to lose both, right? Then you're out the thousand. I knew that, but I don't think everybody who signed up for that thing knows that at all. You know, it's risk-free. What could go wrong? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I didn't really want to be the guinea pig for this, but, uh, you know, and like I said, I knew what I was walking into, but uh, it's it's not pretty. So, uh, and as we know, three or four years ago in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, a lot of the uh, sign-up bonuses were tremendous and they were risk-free. You know, they were just giving you money, putting your account, period. You don't have to like, you know, bet a thousand. And then if you lose, you got to bet a thousand again. It wasn't like that. So I will be curious about, because 
think about the um, the size of the population of California, Texas, and Florida that lives not within a hundred miles of another of a border state that has gambling. Like you know, a few people in Texas live near Louisiana, let's say, right? Okay, but and people in Western Cal, or sorry, Eastern California live near Nevada, which is like nobody. So I mean, obviously, people in Los Angeles do go to Las Vegas all the time, but right. it's not that convenient. So I think that there is an interesting angle there because there is the fact that so many millions of people who in those states live nowhere near the border of a gambling state already hmm. so uh we'll see what that does to the, the bonus levels right so and just uh, to double back to your mention of the risk-free branding <laughs> uh that FanDuel is the one that has yeah. gone out of its way to put the kibosh on using those words but they've replaced it with no sweat. And I, get, I assume you would still say, John, that your betting experience has not been no sweat either. Oh, I sweat my ass off on Saturday and Sunday. <laughs> and uh, yeah, no, that, that's not good enough. I mean, it's better than risk free, but it's not nearly good enough. If they really want to, uh, you know, make a name for themselves in terms of, uh, you know, honest, uh, transparent marketing, they got to do better than that. Yeah, I'd say some, the most honest way to do it would be something like second chance first bet yes, or something exactly. something like yeah. that is right, honest right. but i guess maybe doesn't draw the customers in quite as well as the probably not the, yeah. the, the sort of lie of risk-free or no yeah sad. and so there i am out there in the public square um getting my ass kicked and uh being a warning sign for anybody who's a casual potential gambler who doesn't realize what it's all about so uh, that almost makes it worth it can i expense that now or i'm not sure <laughs> I don't know. I'll run that up the flagpole. But no matter what, we appreciate you taking one for the team. All right. <laughs> All right. Our third and final story this week goes in a very different direction. There have been a couple of new developments in the world of U.S. election betting and its legality or lack thereof. You'll recall that in early August, the Commodity Futures Trading Commission, or CFTC, withdrew its no action letter for predicted, essentially making the election markets trading site illegal effective next February. I wondered on the podcast at the time if this was a sign the major sports books were looking to get into election betting and they influenced the CFTC's decision. And according to some, I had the right general thought, but the wrong influencer. Conspiracy theories sprung up on the internet that Kalshi, another futures market, held sway over the CFTC. Well, Two new things happened this week. First, Politico reported on Monday that Kalshi is making its first moves to get approved to offer markets on elections. And then on Tuesday, we learned of a lawsuit against the CFTC filed by Predictit's tech provider, Aristotle International, as well as people who use Predictit, to block the CFTC from shutting down the site. Something is afoot, and it sure looks to me like the timing of the CFTC's Predictit decision wasn't just some random change of heart. John, what do you make of it? Are the conspiracy theorists onto something? You know, it's funny. The last three administrations don't have a lot in common, but confusing rulings regarding gambling is a rare exception, isn't it? I think it is. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm not a lawyer, but I don't understand how someone can block an action by a federal agency just because you don't like it. Uh, and we are familiar with that. Um, the suit calls legal betting on elections the greatest gift to society. Uh, seems like an overbid to me, if I may <laughs> right. use the term. Yep, yep. Uh, and the claim is there's been no warning for a ruling that doesn't shut down a site for another five months. Uh, I don't know. We haven't gotten to the bottom of this, I don't think. Yeah. I mean, I'm really bad at guessing what lawsuits have a chance of winning. Um, so I, I, I won't weigh in on 
whether this lawsuit against the CFTC really has any any chance of uh, prevailing. Yeah. But one thing in the suit that stands out as a very logical issue for the mm. plaintiffs to win on is to let the currently existing betting markets play out. Um, you know, the majority of the markets on the site will be decided this November. Yeah. Assuming nobody spends years and years denying the results of any of these elections, mm. which may not be a great assumption. But anyway, <laughs> uh, there are some markets, though, that are tied to 2024, like who will be this party's presidential nominee or that yeah. party's presidential nominee and who will be elected president in 2024. Those are extremely popular markets. People have put a lot of money into them and they won't be decided in time for the February 2023 shutdown. And it's not like a regular sports book where the house can just refund all bets. You know, people trade in and out and in and out and it's mm -hmm. complicated. So I, I think the plaintiffs have a pretty strong case there for the CFTC to give until January, 2025 or thereabouts before it's a hundred percent shut down. I, again, though, I have no idea what to actually expect uh, any, any lawyers or courts to decide. Yeah. I mean, but the people involved in this already, I think there are a lot more wolves than sheep as far as I can figure out. So I understand, I, I, I get your point about, you know, let 2023 or 2022 go through and then maybe we deal with the other ones down the road. That's different. That's fine. But I mean, for somebody to say, oh, gee, I had no idea this could happen. How could it right. be? Like, I don't think there's a lot of amateurs involved in this at this point. So I'm not that worried about uh, sharks who get, you know, bitten, basically. Right. Um, and I, I should comment on, you know, on this whole Kalshi conspiracy theory, that side of things. Yeah. Um, first of all, what Kalshi is specifically petitioning for is clearance to offer markets on which party will control the House after the November elections and which party yeah. will control the Senate, yeah. neither of which is a market on the result of a single specific election. Mm -hmm. um, so it's kind of a start smart strategy from Kalshi to try to wedge that door open you know, you're saying, look, it's not going to be worth any betters time or money to try to rig the election for the Georgia Senate seat because mm -hmm. the Senate won't necessarily come down to that one seat anyway. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, of course, this opens the floodgates big time if they're approved, which leads to the bigger question. Just, you know, how can the CFTC be shutting down Predict It and saying yes to Kalshi at the same time? If, if that's the result, if they say yes to Kalshi, right after shutting down predict it it lends a lot of credence to the conspiracy theories i mean i i guess the cftc could claim some technicality that one company followed certain protocols and the other didn't but i don't know i'm not i wouldn't buy something like that this is definitely going to be interesting to watch play out and uh, apparently the cftc will make a decision on this calshi petition by october 28th so we'll know more in six weeks and again this is so weird because like i said these last three administrations what are they doing in the gambling realm anyway i mean it's there's not even a clear like left or right you know lean of you know right. you know 40 years ago, uh, the right was against gambling because it was immoral and the left was against gambling because it was going to uh, unfairly target uh, less educated, you know, poor folks. And then they both had some merit, arguably. Um, but now that's all gone. So I've noticed in New Jersey, like nobody all these new gambling things, nobody nobody has an opposition to it, basically. So so what is what is the federal government doing anyway? I mean, and, and if they're so into it, why don't they you know, I've talked about before the Congress can tomorrow ban 
sports betting in the United States. Not even a question. Nobody knows this, but it's true. Uh, the reason that New Jersey won was not because Congress can't do that, but because the way they passed the law 30 years ago was unconstitutional. But they can ban it. You know, so if the, if the federal government really wants to do some of this stuff, why don't they just do it? Instead, we got these wishy-washy, oh, I don't know, we, we had this, you know, no problem thing, we didn't pay attention, and now we're going to phase it out five, six months from now. Like, I, I don't get it at all. All right. Well, for the sake of our livelihoods, I hope nobody in the federal government listens to our <laughs> podcast and gets any ideas from you, John. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> Congress is going to pass, like, any law tomorrow. Yeah, I wouldn't worry about that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> It's time to welcome a special guest from the world of gambling. Let's get to the Gamble On interview. Last week on the podcast, we got ready for week one of the NFL season by welcoming bookmaker Jay Cornegay. This week, we cross over to the other side of the counter. Bill Krakenberger is a professional better, a veteran of too many media hits to possibly track, one of the stars of the docuseries Action on Showtime, and just an all-around friendly and personable fella. Crack, welcome to Gamble On. Hey, thanks for having me on. Tough name to have, Crack, huh? I mean, when I was growing <laughs> up, and I grew up in like, like Middletown, Monmouth County, New Jersey, going around to the boardwalks there, and People saying, hey, crack, how you doing? Hey, crack. And the drug was out. So like <laughs> people were like, it was so tough. They've been calling me crack since I was a kid in the 70s. Yeah. <laughs> well, you wear it well. So thanks. <laughs> so uh, every NFL season, we come into week one with ideas about who will contend and who won't. And there are always a few results that catch us off guard that opening week. Uh, to win at betting, you have to be a good judge of when to reassess a team versus when to stick to your guns and just say, eh, it was one game, doesn't mean anything. So focusing on some of the surprise losers in week one, among the 49ers, Titans, Broncos, plus maybe the Packers, not to mention the way the Rams lost, is there a team or two among those that you're saying, throw out that result, that team is going to be just fine? You know, you really can't be too overreactional because of week one. It happens every year. And I'll tell you, this, this week one was unbelievable because we had 10 home underdogs. That's unusual for an opening weekend in the NFL. So I'm not really shocked anyone lost outright. Um, any given Sunday, anything can happen. We've had literally some Sundays where we had 14-point favorites, two of them. One week I can remember two seasons ago, and both of them lost outright. So um, in the NFL, anything goes. It's why I don't really bet a lot of NFL sides. As a matter of fact, it's the hardest thing to beat in this country is NFL sides. But guess what? It's the number one thing that people love to bet. People love to go to the counter and just bet money line parlay. I don't want to lay the seven points. Let me lay a money line parlay. It's the biggest sucker bet in the world. <laughs> people love to put all those money lines together. It's going to be so much easier. They got their head handed to them this weekend. Literally, bookmakers cleaned up coast to coast. Now, let's go to your question. Am I worried about any of those teams? You know, Green Bay last year opened up against the Saints. I think it was 38-3 to was the opening game. And literally rebounded the rest of the year. I think their record was, I don't have it offhand, but it was like 13-3. and three. They literally will find a way to go to this year's playoffs too. I hope they don't actually. I have um, futures on Minnesota this year. So, but um, and, and Minnesota was a real good good play the first week, obviously. Um, but I, I think they're going to be fine. The Rams, kind of really not worried about them too. Listen, Buffalo was the odds-on choice to win the Super Bowl uh, this year. So look at all the sports books where they opened up odds. 
Buffalo was number one. They just, like I said, the, the Rams just ran into a really tough team. I think they're going to, they're, they're going to rebound. They, and I, I think they're going to be okay. Um, I don't really think any of the teams that lost this week, um, San Fran was terrible weather there in, in right. Chicago. I don't think I have to worry about them. I'm, I'm, I think I'm not really a big Tennessee fan this year, but I mean, the Giants beat them like that. Jesus. But then again, all the wise guy money came in on the Giants here in town. I noticed there were sixes and bang, they were all gone. Fives and five and a half by the time the, the game kicked off. Um, who else was really there? That, that Yeah, I mean, there's not really any major upset. Even the Denver Broncos, they lost to Seattle kind of um, – you know, Seattle here, but by the way, that, that knocked out – well, we, we have a giant survivor pool here in town, which had over $6 million in entries. We're down to $2.5 million. <laughs> we lost over half the pool in one week. That is unbelievable, but it's what I said. Any given Sunday, anything happened? Yeah. yeah I'm curious about um, – there were a lot of teams now that don't play any regulars or barely play them in the preseason. Denver is an example. And with a rookie coach, we saw what a disaster that was. Uh, Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers doesn't need any practice, but apparently his receivers do. And I'm wondering, A, was that an advantage for a pro maybe going into week one, recognizing that some teams are more prepared than others? And B, does that all get wiped out? Because even if they had a bad game like uh, Denver did, uh, now that they played a full game together, they're all all up to speed heading into week two. Is there still an edge there maybe a little bit for another week or two? You know, I don't really look into that too much. These coaches and coaching staffs, they're very good. Even them during the preseason and the training camps, I don't think that really affected like it, like they're talking about. I watch, you know, the sideline shows and that's what yeah. they're talking about. Listen, they were prepared. They had all these teams had an extra week off this year, preseason too. They were prepared for what was going on. I don't really look into that as much as others. And, you know, I just think some of these games, the way they played out, they're going to use that for – not the teams, by the way, but the media will use that for excuses for them. Um, the biggest spread we had this week was a seven, and the rest of them were all six. This was, this was easily uh, – you know, uh, but, but you know what? Now that I say it's easily the teams that could have lost, these teams all need to get a game under their belt too. Um, even though I had – by the way, I had a great week on props and a great week in the NFL. I didn't bet any sides. I just bet uh, – I, I bet a couple totals and I bet some of the, some of the uh, proposition bets, which I think are widely available in not all the sports books, but even so I, if, if I did bet sides, I wouldn't put that much stock into that for the reasons I said. So whether you're betting sides or props or whatever it is, every better goes on a, a bit of a losing streak. Sometimes I'm curious what approach you recommend to a better who's on a losing streak. Like say it's not, you know, it's not week two anymore. It's week six. And yeah. I haven't had a winning week yet. Uh, do you, do you take a week off entirely? Do you make fewer bets? Do you make smaller bets? Do you change your research routine? What, what do you think is the best way to play it when you're feeling kind of a step behind what's happening in the NFL from week to week? You know, I can beat in the head. Uh, literally, I can get literally till I'm blue and people will just not, they want to pat themselves on the back and they want literally, they want to come up with their own games based on what they see on big TV shows or media stuff or people or stuff on uh, Twitter. Listen, the NFL is the hardest thing to beat. I always said NFL stands for not for long for your bankroll. <laughs> if you want to mess with it that long. I mean, literally, uh, after week one, after week two, I know so many people, week three, week four, week five, week five, 
they have lost their bankroll. Coming literally October, they can't even bet anymore, and they're looking for loans. So um, you guys really should take lessons from what, what uh, these guys ju- just are talking about here because it's a very good point. I can Bankroll management is all I can tell you. But listen, I come from an area there, and you guys are both on the East Coast, uh, Philly and, and, and New York or New Jersey area. This gambling thing of ours was a rite of passage since we're little kids. We're taught, literally, I've been going to racetracks and things with my father and, 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 and my friends. You know, we all had this. I grew up in Central and North Jersey. And in Jersey, we had lotteries, racetracks, uh, casinos now. Um, you want to throw now sports betting in the mix. It's really hard to control and have a bankroll management. I can guarantee this. Everyone that's down in the casinos in Atlantic City, and by the way, New Jersey is only – 85% of it, the betting's done on mobile apps. But the people that are there betting, you can guarantee they're bringing $1,000 with them and it's all going in action. Uh, you know, like two fifty dollars a game, which if your bankroll's a dime, you should be betting like two, like 20 to $30 a game long-term. I even go through these losing streaks. I, I, I don't always win. I, I had losing months this year. I, had two, I mean, I, I won 10 months. I had two losing months, though. Um, it, it happens. And you just have to remain calm the temperament level you need, and you really need it. The skill set of not chasing. The number one thing, not only in sportsbooks, but casinos, the reason why they make all their money, let me just go home even. Let me just get back to even. Oh, God, let me just get back to even. I'll quit for the day. And it, it happens all the time. Watch them when we let it ride with Richard Dreyfus. That's all, you know, just all these scenes like that. And it, it's kind of funny and stuff, but it's not funny. If you're not doing it responsibly, you're going to go broke. Right. I'm, I'm curious because you mentioned the uh, NFL, not for long, that sort of thing, and how beating the sides is, is near impossible to do. What is mm-hmm. what is your favorite sport to bet in terms of like what you're most profitable on? I guess it's not NFL sides. Is NBA? Is that your is that your no. number one? No, and, and, and NBA sides are the second hardest thing to beat in okay. control for professional betting. So I'll, my favorite stuff probably is these NFL props. And okay. I crushed the props the first week. Uh, NFL props. I like betting first month of college basketball. I think the line's very soft. If anyone doesn't beat that, uh, you know, I don't know how they don't do it. Listen, my favorite thing the last three years was definitely betting the draft. I mean, the draft, that was like 90%. It's impossible. You can't be 90%. But you could on stuff that's out there. If you follow beat reporters, follow things. I had some really good information this year on um, NFL draft stuff. Totally crushed the draft. And um, every year it's been available. I hope that next year it's available at these sports books, put it that way. Um, But I'm looking for small market sports. I'm not looking for stuff that's on TV covered by every network, stuff that's covered by every single reporter. This is stuff that, and by the way, it's the most popular thing. I know it's fun with your buddies and stuff. I'm looking for the, I'm looking to do this to make money. I'm not looking for fun. Right. (laughs) I want to ask about another stereotype that that is, talked about in social media all the time you know the pros versus joes no 90 percent of the money is going on the broncos and so therefore it's guaranteed seattle's going to win the game you know which is obviously ridiculous and uh if if that even happened 60 65 percent of the time then you know the lines would go crazy haywire because uh everyone would be able to do that so i know that's wildly exaggerated although i did take seattle and the uh, on the money line and uh yeah that was wow. pretty, that was pretty lucky but um but i mean I, I know so i know that's an overreaction that the idea of well if, if the the amateurs are all betting on one side. I bet the other. That's crazy. But do you put any stock whatsoever into that when you're making a pick or do you ignore I, that as, as 100% noise? Listen, I, I do put a little stock in that because I live in a town here where we have so many different lines. Um, you know, I have like five, six sports books I'm allowed to bet at. Unfortunately, I'm thrown out of about three of them. 
for winning, by the no other reason but winning. But um, so I could see different lines here, and I can get half points on the dogs, uh, where I can't get that everywhere else. So if you take a square sports book, like like we have station sports books here, stations has a very local square crowd. Those little fifty and hundred dollar bets add up to a lot of money in volume. The sports books are forced to over move and give me those extra half points. As a matter of fact, the Seattle game, like we had a seven here where the whole world had six and six and a half. There was two different sports books here that offered seven minus one ten at game time because that's how much money was bet on Denver here in town. So you have to have a lot of outs. You, you, you definitely want to go. And I'm, that's what that's what you're doing here, by, by the way. I'll bet NFL sides. I'm not saying that, but I'll bet from through the key numbers. If I can get an extra half a point or something on a seven to seven and a half, or I can get a seven like last night when the market's six and the sharp sports books are six and a half and six, I know over time, long term, mathematically, that's a winning formula to do that. I don't have to know anything. I don't have to know a name on a team, a player, what color their jersey is. I don't have to know anything. All I have to know is what the lines are, be a good market reader. And yes, in a sense, that's what I'm doing. I'm actually betting against public money. All right. Great stuff. Uh, it's uh, been a real pleasure talking to you. Uh, I, I'm always torn between, do I call you Bill or do I call you Crack? I guess uh, I guess Anything. you'll answer to either one. But uh, Either I'll, one. <laughs> I'll let our listeners know they can find you on Twitter at both of them. It's at Bill Crackman is the uh, address on, on Twitter. Uh, and of course, you got the uh, Sunday morning radio show on, Fo- is it on Fox yeah. Sports. Uh, Fox, so. Fox Sports. Okay, That's so fun. great, great place to check you out. And uh, thanks so much for coming on the podcast, Bill. Thank you for having me, guys. All right, thanks, All right, Bill. guys. Two men, $10,000. Will they run it up or blow it all? It's time to check in on the Gamble On bankroll. We'll get to the Fast Five shortly, but first, let's update our betting bankroll. And we had a strong week, or at least John had a strong week. I had a mostly yeah. inconsequential week. Uh, John, you went two for two, winning $100 a piece on these. Uh, Stampeders minus eight and a half was an easy cover to restore your status as a CFL sharp. And Rams bills under 52 provided a mild hint of a sweat, but still covered fairly comfortably in the end. As for my bets, uh, you'll recall that I made an early week two NFL bet. Uh, we got the Saints at plus 160 on the money line against the Bucks. It has added some value, but we have to wait a few more days to find out if it actually wins. Um, another bet of mine on the Shields Marshall boxing match to go the distance got voided as the fight in London was postponed to October 15th by the Queen's death. Uh, so I'll see what the odds look like a month from now and possibly rebet that one. So my only bets that got graded were three $10 flyers on boxing matches ending in draws. Two of the three came very close, but close doesn't show up on the bankroll. So we lost $30 total there. That means we won $170 for the week. We're now down by $2,894. We have $1,385 on hold in futures bets, leaving us with $5,721 available to bet with this week. And I'm up first, and I'll start with boxing, and there's a legit big one this Saturday. Uh, Fighters that it's possible that you'd heard of, John, before you even met me. Uh, It's the (laughs) third fight between Canelo Alvarez and Gennady Golovkin, a.k.a. Mm. Triple G. Uh, First fight five years ago was scored a draw. I happened to be ringside, and I, too, scored it a draw. Mm. The second fight four years ago was a majority decision win for Canelo. 
I was again ringside and I again scored at a draw. Um, I will not be ringside at T-Mobile Arena in Vegas on Saturday, but I will be watching and I am not expecting as close a fight this time as Golovkin is now 40 and has looked significantly slower and easier to hit in the last couple of years. So two bets I like here. My favorite bet, the one I've been waiting to make all along, is Canelo by KO, which is as low as plus 150 at some books, but I found it as high as plus 195. So that is, of course, the price at which we will bet it. I really see a strong chance this is the sad Ali versus Holmes or Lewis versus Marciano moment for Golovkin, where he's taking a lot of punishment and the fight gets stopped in the later rounds. So let's bet $60 to win $117 on that outcome. But another bet I like, sort of a hedge, but not really, because both bets can win or both bets can lose, is on there to be no knockdowns in the fight. You can have a TKO win without any knockdowns, Mm. and neither Canelo nor Triple G has ever suffered an official knockdown. It's a bit of a needle to thread that Canelo gets the stoppage without any knockdowns in the fight, but I like the price here, plus 115 for no knockdowns. So let's throw $40 on that to win 46. Like I said, kind of a hedge, but both can win and each has individual value in my view. All right. Well, I want to congratulate you on, we almost got through this entire podcast, the only one in the country that didn't mention the Queen's death, but we didn't quite get there. <laughs> uh, it was over, over 0.5 and we're over now. I'm going to go a little <laughs> further over, uh, you know, being not only American, but of a uh, Republic of Ireland heritage. Uh, I can't grasp the sub of the queen yeah not my people we didn't go with that the united kingdom and all the other ones around there they did that i didn't sir that that being said i would not have had any anything negative to say about the queen anyway so uh, we wouldn't be knocked off the air but still i digress so okay now six and three on cfl bets and all Mm -hmm. nine of my picks have won the game with only the last two being two score favorites which is kind of a chalky uh play on that end but uh give me 165 to win 150 with a 12 and 1 winnipeg blue bombers only minus eight points on DraftKings over the hapless three and nine hamilton tiger cats uh sore shoulder for the t cats quarterback and the backup is inactive the blue men are not invincible i still feel that way but it's hard to believe it's only a single digit spread in this game all right. And uh, I, I I know from reading Greg Warren's columns that he abbreviates them to tie cats. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, so uh, better, you, know, yeah. you, you Americanized it to T cats. I but think I, guess I the did. Canadians yeah. call them yeah. the tie cats. Okay. Yeah. But either way, we like the blue bombers. Okay. Yes, we do. <laughs> All right. So for my second bet or bets uh, in this case, let's do Thursday night football player props. Um, first, a standard bet type on a semi obscure player. Second year receiver Josh Palmer is the guy to step up with Keenan Allen out for the Chargers. His yardage prop is just 44 and a half. I like him to go over that. We do have to pay a slightly higher VIG of minus 114. So it's $114 to win 100 on the over there. And then let's have a little same game parlay fun. Probably not getting value here. You never are with SGPs, uh, but here it is. I like Travis Kelsey, Juju Smith-Schuster, and Mike Williams each to score a touchdown in this game. Uh, (laughs) Well, all right. The good news to come, John, uh, by the end of this is that it's not a lot of money we're risking. But So uh, Williams had a very quiet first game, but with Allen out, He'll have to step up. He's easily Justin Herbert's favorite end zone target. He's six foot four and he scored nine touchdowns last year. Uh, so I, I like him to get a touchdown. Then Juju had a decent week one, six catches for 79 yards, no TDs. And we know Mahomes wants to spread the ball around, would love to get his new weapon a touchdown sooner rather than later. 
And then Kelsey is just always a touchdown threat. He scored in seven of his last eight games. So I know this bet's a long shot, but the price is pretty good over at FanDuel, plus 11.79, almost 12 to one. Let's live a little. Let's throw a $20 dart to win $236. All right. Well, speaking of darts, here's an unexpected treat for you, Eric. I decided I would bet an MLB futures bet on the World Series this week and uh, Hmm. who's going to win. And looking at the numbers, give me 20 units on the Phillies at plus 3,000. Wow. You know, they don't get a buy, obviously, and they're not quite in officially yet. But that's just too high a price for a team that has an above average offense and an above average pitching staff. All right. Now you realize if the Mets fail to win the division, if the Braves catch them, <laughs> it could be Mets Phillies in the first round. Uh, yeah. Case, I, I, I assume for the sake of a $20 bankroll bet, you're not going to root against your Mets. Well, I, I tell you, everybody I know does not want to face the Phillies in the playoffs. And that's a little bit telling to me right. now, partly because Zach Wheeler and uh, Noah Syndergaard used to pitch for the Mets and they <laughs> right. might knock them out, but it's more than that. I mean, they, they recognize the Phillies are a solid team. They're not perfect. And, you know, but realistically, since they changed managers yes. in what June or whatever, yes. uh, they've been as good basically as the Mets and Braves. So right. uh, 30 to one is a sweet number, I think. Yeah, it's, it's a good number for what it's worth. I'm uh, rooting for the Mets to win the division. I'd rather play the Braves in the first round just because mm-hmm. of the pitching. I, I just mm-hmm. don't love having to win two out of three when the first two <laughs> are going to be against DeGrom and Scherzer. <laughs> exactly. All right. We finished the show with the fast five and week one came down to the one game we were head to head on. I had the Ravens. John had the Jets. Baltimore covered the seven points outside that game. I went two and two. And so did you, John. So that means I start the season three and two. You start at two and three. And I promise you, I won't get overconfident as I started last season four and one to year three and two. And we both know how that turned out. Uh, but I am happy to be over 500 for the moment. Uh, and I'm up first with my picks this week. And I'll start with my least favorite of my five, just because I don't love the number. I'm giving up the hook, but I'll still take the Ravens minus three and a half hosting the Dolphins. I view the Ravens as a serious contender this year. The Dolphins, I'm not convinced yet. And I think the gap in quarterback quality here is significant enough that the Ravens should cover this at home. I'd love it if it was two and a half or three. I still like it at three and a half. Next up, maybe my favorite spread of the week. I'm getting the hook here. Give me the Jaguars plus three and a half at home against the Colts. The Jags are on their way up. The Colts are on their way down. They're meeting in the middle. I think the Jags are only an underdog at home because of reputations and last year's records, not because of the actual products on the field. Uh, Also, it's Doug Peterson versus Frank Reich. Fun matchup of the coaching duo behind Nick Foles winning a Super Bowl. Uh, I love Jacksonville with the points. Another team, I think, isn't getting enough respect from the books. Another home underdog. I'll take the Steelers plus two against the Patriots. Feels a little like a trap, but every instinct tells me the Pats just aren't very good. The Steelers are better than people are giving them credit for. Mike Tomlin will always field a competitive team. Trubisky is actually an upgrade from what was left of Roethlisberger last year. And I honestly think Pittsburgh at home should be favored in this game. Yeah, Belichick doesn't want to start 0-2. And yeah, TJ Watt is hurt. But Mac Jones isn't 100% himself. With the extra cushion of a couple of points, definitely give me the Steelers here. Uh, For my fourth pick, let's move out west. Raiders minus five and a half in Vegas against the Cardinals. 
the Cardinals are just kind of a mess. This might be the season from hell for them. Uh, the defense has gotten worse. There are injuries on offense. Something is off in the Kyler Kingsbury chemistry. Uh, and I just think the Raiders are going to put up a lot of points against them. And the spread puts me on the right side of six, which is sort of a key number. So I'm going to be betting some player prop overs for Devante, for Darren Waller, for Derek Carr when they come out. But for now, just picking the spread. Give me the Raiders. And lastly, this one's a big number, but not big enough. I'll take the Bills minus 10 on Monday against the Titans in Buffalo. Home debut. The place is going to be going crazy. The Bills just might be almost as good as the futures odds say. I went against them last week, and I'm not making that mistake again. The Titans did not look good in blowing that game against the Giants last week. I think the Bills should win this one by at least a couple of scores. All right. Uh, interesting. I have one against you, but uh, I was dying to bet against the Steelers. Okay. Uh, but yeah, they're home getting two. Uh, yeah, that scared me off that one. I, okay. I thought that for sure. These lines are really good, by the way, I thought. I mean, I was really impressed. I thought they're going to be a lot of crazy lines and I was going through it and like, damn, I'm, I got to get five of these. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> and la- last week I, I easily won two and I easily lost one with the Jets. And so if I can keep going two and one and then, you know, I can just try and split the other two games. In this case, one on two. But uh, I felt better about that. So I'm more confident this week. Uh, give me Chiefs minus four versus Chargers on Thursday. Usually I hate the visiting teams in these games anyway, and more so with the change of two time zones. No Keenan Allen for the Chargers makes Justin Herbert a bit less combustible, and the Chiefs have a score to settle with these fellas, so I think they will. Uh, I'm, oddly, I'm passing on all nine early window games on Sunday. That's wow. weird, but it just so happened that way. So give me the Texans plus 10 at the Broncos and the Bears plus 10 at the Packers. The underdogs aren't good, but the favorites aren't great, so I'm surprised to get 10 on each of those. And Monday night, uh, I'm going against you here. Uh, okay. Titans plus 10 at Bills. The underdog is better than this number. And the Bills, okay, Bills are really good. But the Titans fell asleep at halftime versus the Giants, and I can't imagine that happens here. And, you know, the pomp and circumstance and all that, uh, are the Bills ready for that? They're going to be, you know, every everybody's darling. I don't. They're not battle-tested that way. They haven't won any Super Bowls in my lifetime, or anybody's lifetime for that matter. So I question that one. And, yeah, my Final game is the, uh, the the Vikings plus two versus the Eagles. Um, you were right on top of it, Eric, last week about the Vikings. And uh, our buddy Crack is also uh, up on them. Mm-hmm. And the Eagles were not that impressive in week one. And they're kind of a darling team right now, too. I think the Vikings have been so overlooked for so long and sort of rightly so that they're ready to sort of sneak through some, uh, some people. And uh, so I give them that on the... Other Monday night game. Why are there two Monday night games? I didn't ask that, by the way. <laughs> uh, you know? the, re- the reason is they usually start the season with two Monday night games, but mm. the Emmys were the first Monday night, so they only wanted to put one against that, I, I believe. Think, I think close to a million people watch the Emmys, so you really don't <laughs> want to – that's a real uh, fearsome uh, you know, opponent. Are you kidding me? It was the lowest rated Emmys again for like the 20th year in a row. I mean, wow, that's that's funny, but okay. All right, so you're taking NFL minus – 47 and a half over Emmys. Uh, I, I, I mean, are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> like, like at my age, I'm still saying, yeah, no, 
Emmys? Nobody cares about the Emmys. I mean, somebody's 25, 30 years old. Oh, are the Emmys on tonight? Oh, I got to watch that. I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well. Uh, all right. Well, uh, honestly, I'm, uh, I, I, you, you, you bet on the Phillies, uh, so I couldn't have possibly expected <laughs> you to back both of my teams. So yeah, it's right. only fair that you went against my Eagles sure. here. And that'll do it for this episode of Gamble On. Thanks, everybody out there for listening. And thanks again to our guest, Bill Krakenberger. You can find me on Twitter at Eric Raskin and John at Bergen Brennan and follow US Bets at US underscore bets. Go to usbets.com for all the latest news and analysis from the world of gambling and subscribe to this podcast on Spreaker, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else. And with that, John, please take us out. Well, the Thursday night NFL game, Chiefs and Chargers is pretty good. Uh, hope uh, all of you seniors are looking forward to watching this game on, wait, Amazon Prime. <laughs> uh, and every Thursday night NFL game on Amazon Prime now. Uh, I see I can enjoy unlimited streaming of thousands of movies and TV shows, plus free two-day delivery on millions of items, $14.99 a month after trial. Oh, wait a minute. Uh, by signing up, I acknowledge that I have read and agreed to the Amazon Prime terms and conditions and authorize me to authorize them to charge your preferred card of another credit card. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, if you don't want to continue for $14.99 a month plus any applicable taxes, great. You may cancel any time by visiting your account and adjusting your membership settings. Um, yeah, I don't have Amazon Prime. If people are wondering, how can I afford that $1,000 bet and I don't lose that, <laughs> it doesn't really affect my bankroll? Uh, I don't order shit on Amazon. That's why, but, uh, <laughs> or anything, you know, but also uh, it's not just, again, I can afford this, I suppose, and I could start ordering things on Amazon, but I'm not going to. And it's just obnoxious. You know, the Yankees had an incredibly important uh, game at the time a week ago against the Tampa Bay Rays. And, oh, it's only on Amazon Prime. And people in my age cohort, including Yankee fans, were outraged. They're not signing up for this stupid thing if they don't want it anyway. And so, you know, these uh, sporting leagues that think, well, who cares? Now, admittedly, and Eric, you're going to find this out in a few years, but they coveted 18 to 49 age demographic. Yeah. Once you're out of that, they don't care what you think. But guess what? We're the ones that have disposable income and <laughs> we're not going to dispose it on stupid Amazon Prime if we don't want it already. So I'm not going to watch these Thursday night games. I might. If it's a really good game in midseason. I can walk to a local watering hole and watch the game there and spend, you know, 30 bucks uh, total for food and drink uh, once. Uh, that's a little cheaper than 149 or 100 God knows, $170, whatever it is. So uh, this is annoying and not even good go ahead on this. So, I mean, a lot of people hearing this, especially older people, are going to be like, wait, are you kidding me? Tonight, Thursday night game, really? I thought it was on. Yeah, no, it's not going to happen. So I, I think it's stupid, but um, again, you know, younger people are going to say, yeah, I already have that or not. But they're paying for so many damn bundled services already. They really want to do this. So. Heck with the NFL, heck with MLB, uh, and get off my lawn. And with that, until next time, everybody, gamble on.